0: the voice of Dr. Yan. I'm your host, Dr. Limang Yan. In this episode, I'm glad to introduce you a new guest. Her name is Dr. Tracy Hu. Uh, in, uh, in America, people may call her Dr. Tracy Hu because of the pronunciation. She's a Dan- Danish and U.S. dual citizen. And she is a doctor She is a medical doctor. Also, she's a PhD in epidemiology and public health. And she is now doing the uh, private practice as a clinical doctor. And also, she's the associate professor at University of Southern Denmark in Department of Clinical Research he also conducts research at the University of California, San Francisco, in the Department of Epidemiology and Biostatistics. By the way, she is a professional runner. I mean, she told me that's very, very amazing. She previously was a professional runner on the team of U.S. and Danish national teams in marathon and mountain running. Wow, you're the first <laughs> professional runner in my broadcast. Welcome, Dr. Tracy. Yeah.
1: Could you well, so <laughs> It's such an honor to be here. Um, I'm really a fan of yours, and I love your show. And um, I, I have learned so much from you that I didn't know. And I highly recommend to the listeners of this show, if this is the first time they listen, to go back and really Try to listen to all of the episodes because every episode contains an amazing amount of information. So I'm very appreciative of your work.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Tracy, and oh, I should call you Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Tracy's fine. Beginning, you contact me. You you want conducted an interview with me, and we did it for two hours. And you wrote your article. I mean, that was the first article you. You said you are going to uh, write more articles on the COVID origin, as well as the Ridley Biomab, which actually run by by Chinese agent Jesse Zhu in California. And you told me you are very concerned about those illegal biomaps controlled by China on U.S. soil, and also you live in California. So... You, you have done your research on that. I've seen your understanding and your concerns on that. And meanwhile, you told me as a medical doctor and also public health expert, you have done three times of the testimonies in the Congress in the United States since COVID-19 pandemic, right? That's so correct. <laughs> before we talk further about your opinions, do you like to sh- would you like to share the opinion, uh, I mean, your experience and their insights in the testimony uh, with Congress and also uh, tell people why uh, they invited you to be the uh, witness expert? And also, what's your opinion on that? Could you briefly introduce it to us?
1: Yes, absolutely. So um so before, uh, before the pandemic, I had just finished my residency and fellowship training, and I was very new in practice, and I'm a mother of four. I had two young kids at the same time, two older children um, who are stepchildren, and um, I became very concerned about the United States' reaction um, to COVID-19 um, from very early on. Um, so I would say starting around April, I was concerned about school closures. Um, it, because in Denmark, the schools had reopened very quickly for children. And in California and in the United States, most school, schools were staying closed. And um, I I was worried about the impacts that this would have on children. And so I started doing my research about how COVID was affecting children and adults and particularly how COVID was spreading. And I became a senior author of a study that was published by the CDC that looked at COVID-19 transmission in schools in the summer of, uh, oh, sorry, in the fall of 2020. And we found very low transmission rates in the schools Uh, between the children and none to the teachers from the children of COVID-19. And in spite of our research findings and in spite of what we had seen in Europe with schools really being able to reopen, once our study was published, the CDC um, continued to put out very strict school reopening guidelines in the United States. And I became very frustrated that they didn't seem to be paying attention to the research even published in their own journal or the or the research uh, that we had coming out of Europe about schools being able to safely reopen. And I was very concerned about the impacts it would have on children. So I began to speak up and I testified before Congress about the CDC basically um, ignoring or putting out recommendations that were contrary to the, our research findings. And, um, and then I began to do research as well, epidemiological research in vaccine side effects um, in adolescents. And, um, and I, I testified about this as well, about this being um, covered up, um, ignored and, and in multiple ways, um, also by the okay. CDC. Could you take some example how they ignore your
0: publication your data?
1: Yes, so um we uh we published a study in this is a a group I was actually at University of California Davis um at this time and um I I was the first author on a study that used the VAERS database to do a risk benefit analysis of the COVID-19 uh Pfizer vaccine. Um, in adolescents. And what we found was when you look at the risks of myocarditis, just those that were reported in VAERS and compare it to what we suspected about the potential benefits of the vaccines, that it seemed like giving the second dose was going to, uh, the harms would outweigh the benefits. And so we published this in in the summer of uh, 2021, Wow. Uh, but it was after we we had a lot of difficulty getting it published, but it has been proven to be correct. Um, and we actually, we had a, a, a vast underestimate of how often this myocarditis from the vaccines was occurring. And we also, um, o- over time, we now know we certainly overestimated the benefits of the vaccine. And so... Um, uh, so I, I've testified ab- about uh, issues related to that and written multiple articles about um, opposing vaccine mandates and published another study about um, harms of boosters um, outweigh- uh, outweighing the benefits in college age students. Um, and so I and I, I've also testified about submitting research to the CDC regarding um, the effectiveness of masks, where what my research group did, it was actually just two of us. I, I worked with an economist on this study um, from the University of Toronto, Ambra Sh- uh, Chandra. And w- what we did was we took a study that was published in the CDC's journal, MMWR, and it had only looked at a two-week time frame in their study to look at the effectiveness of mask mandates and uh, in schools on COVID-19 case rates and. Uh, spread in among children in the counties and so what we did was we extended the analysis period and we actually looked at multiple time frames um, and we ex- expanded it to the entire country and what we found was that there was no correlation uh with the use of mask mandates uh, with the implementation of mask mandates in the pediatric cases in the county but the the uh, the important thing was, the CDC and MMWR journal—that's their journal—they refused to publish it. But why? They, well, so they said that we needed more room to expand our findings, but they didn't have any, and they—they they said it was a polarizing topic. And then we ended up getting it—it it published in a very um, high-impact journal, the Journal of Infection in the UK, where there was there were no issues found with our methodology. So we had expanded and extended a study that they had published in their journal, and we found with more robust data the opposite finding that they had initially found, and they refused to publish it. So I, I have been very critical of the CDC's vaccine recommendations, um, especially for children and low risk, um, the uh, young, younger people and um because also because they've led to mandates i've been very critical of the school closures uh that they they recommended um and and the list goes on and on they have um and and so because um i have been aware of the mis- sort of the issues that have been created by the cdc i was very concerned when i saw that they didn't react uh appropriately to this bio lab in Reedley, california which is in southern california so people know and so it really it caused me to go back and look at all of the work that you had done and to listen to all of your episodes because suddenly i realized not only had you been right about this Reedley bio lab and uh, likely how dangerous it was and how negligent the CDC was not to respond to this. And you had pointed it out long before the Congressional subcommittee, you pointed out in August that this was a lab that was tie- had ties with the CCP. And you were right about the origins of SARS-COV-2 and that it was likely engin- that, that, you know, that it was not just lab made, that, that I think many people understand, but that it was actually the result of a of a, a bioweapon program like it was it was made to be a bioweapon to um, infect people and to give people disease intentionally. I mean that it, it was a lot for me to take in when I went back and sort of listened to all that you were saying. and um, but I think you have been proven right again and again and again, and you uh, you give so many details and references for what you're saying that um, I really think more people should be listening to you when you sound the alarm bell about this this lab in Reedley, California.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Tracy. And I really appreciate your efforts on protecting, especially as a case, during the COVID-19. And it's really very Disappointed and upset to hear that CDC always intends to ignore your data and your suggestions, your opinions. Could you also let us know after the past minutes, anything changed like in California or from CDC to the attitude on the public health policy? So, I mean, anything positive happened after your testimonies on CDC's uh, inaction or ignorance?
1: Well, I mean, I would say that the schools did end up reopening, obviously. It just took a very long time. And I do think that uh, bringing attention to the issues has helped um, because I, I think it's our duty and I know that you share this feeling with me that when the recommendations that are being given by our government are do not align with the science and the data, that as scientists, it is our duty to speak up. And, and so I do think that I, you know, I played some role in helping to reopen, you know, the remaining schools that had been remain that had been closed. I would say it was a third of all schools in the United States that were still closed after a year. Um, and so I, I do think that bringing attention to the CDC's um, inappropriately strict guidelines for reopening schools helped. Um, I think that I helping to start this group called Urgency um, for Normal, uh, which was done with a bunch of physicians and scientists to advocate for um normalcy for children that we were able to help um uh, get um mask requirements out of schools um that was one big thing i think we were able to do and to bring attention to the fact that there should not be a covid-19 vaccine requirements for children um and so i i do think i very much believe that speaking up uh, has has had impact. And um, I, I now am very grateful, you know, I've always been, but that we live in a free society where we were, we are able to speak up, because you, you know, had your life threatened because you spoke up, and you needed to flee your, you know, your, you need to flee, you were in Hong Kong, but you're from China. So you needed to flee China, or I guess you left, via Hong Kong. And that's, I know that technically is part of China, but if you live in Hong Kong, you don't think it is. But um, so uh, to, to, to save your life, I mean, so I'm, I, I, it's an incredible story that you were right. You were, you were telling the truth, but that you needed to flee your country to come to the United States um, so that you could safely tell that. And I get worried that in the United States where we're a little bit heading towards that sort of mentality um, with the censorship um, and threatening people's jobs um, if they don't speak, if they don't kind of adhere to the appropriate narrative with their research and what they say publicly about their findings. So, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much in, for your encouragement and also you share your story us know that, yes, I believe it is really powerful to speak out using our professional knowledge. I mean, based on real scientific study and data and logically, uh, logical analysis, it's not just, oh, I'm scientist. scientist, my word means science, not like that. And your data definitely, even they try to suppress it, but because of the this kind of very uh, professional design and uh, analysis, there are always people will understand this is a reliable uh, project. And when we refer to the data, I believe that we are not the only good scientists can realize can distinguish which data are reliable, which are just the rubbish, right? Yeah. And even during the pandemic, we see that a lot of rubbish data uh, especially like on the COVID origin and a lot of on the efficacy of vaccines, COVID vaccine, I need to say, those are not well-designed uh, study. And for COVID vaccines, there are even a lot of fabricated data. So these kind of studies after years always can be revealed, even though now maybe still a lot of them still pretend to be the professional articles but we need to work hard to use our work to defend the justice that's integrity of the scientific field and public health field
1: right yes i i so agree i mean i think that science is like a language of freedom and and a language of the of the truth and the truth has a way of coming out and i think that you know people who continue to um, speak the truth and to not be afraid, they they will be vindicated because exactly like you say, when you use robust analyses and, uh, you know, then also as you have done, you have shown with the amino acid changes of SARS-CoV-2 and the mutations in the receptor binding motif and all of the changes you found that it's inconsistent with, being natural origin that it must have been created in a lab with the template and i'll just say that i i want to get to that but we also were able to show with the cdc um the cdc's studies in their journal mmwr that they use such low quality um data to come to very certain conclusions uh over and over again about the effectiveness of masks. And so we actually looked at 77 studies. This was a, what I did with my uh, research group at UCSF with Vinay Prasad and Allison Haslam. And, and we were able to show none of them were randomized and it was somewhere around 80% um, uh, inferred causality. So they said, masks reduce transmission of COVID-19. But they actually uh, had no studies that were able to show that with certainty because they all could have potentially been very confounded. They were all observational, low-quality studies. And it was quite clear that they um, that they went too far with their interpretation of the data to get a message across. Uh, and so it was like we collected all these studies. And it was like a long – and the, the conclusions of the studies were – Things like it's critical to wear a mask, even though, you know, we had no way of knowing if masks work from their studies. Um, And so it was like propaganda over and over and over again. It wasn't wasn't good science. It was just, let's find some data. And then, you know, we're going to say that this means masks work, even though scientists were looking critically at it. No, you cannot draw that conclusion with certainty. So... So my question
0: is, I mean, I have the same idea when I read this kind of COVID paper, or even before COVID. I mean, when we do research, we know how this country plays, but during COVID nineteen, it become more obvious and more aggressive. So, could you tell us when you finish this seventy seven study analysis and realize the? big problem, weakness behind the aid, and it's related to CDC, like CDC recommend these papers and recommend the data. Why it happened? What's your opinion?
1: Well, I mean, I think that basically within the journal, they had been told that they needed to promote a certain message. And so they, um, you know, would accept studies that would promote that message and then they would be sure to put their little conclusion in which was almost a very similar wording in every study um about masks being critical to prevent the spread of covid and so
0: like the k k words
1: or k conclusion yes oh wow and so i i think i mean my co-researchers and i knew all along that this was going on, but we didn't realize it was so many studies and we didn't realize that the conclusions were worded so similarly. Um, but I had known from publishing something in MMWR that it's not externally peer reviewed and they have many committees who look at it and approve uh, what the wording is like. And um, even in our own study, I had to basically argue back and forth with the editors and say, well, we actually didn't study masks, so we can't say if the masks worked or not. And so it was like, I had to argue to get that line in there, but they did accept that. But, but so it is, it is this problem um, that I think we have in common with China and you tell me, but uh, it's to a much lesser extent in the United States where the conclusions and the messages about health and, and, and public health and, and what works and what doesn't work are being determined by the government. And, and then it's like the science needs to fit into that message somehow. So I'd be curious think, to get your take on that. I think your description really consistent
0: with what I have seen uh, about COVID-19 origin, like how they come from the nature how the bat? how the pangolin? how other animals carry the virus and then spill over to human and also i have seen the similar propaganda uh, another issue you i know you're aware of that anti-asian anti-chinese if you dare to say the COVID 19 virus or other things uh related to say the chinese communist party then you are anti-asian anti-chinese so they all share the same character that they have a lot of keywords, key conclusions, which even using the identical words in the articles. And they are promoted, shared behind, I mean, behind it definitely there is a very strong force. It, it includes money financial support. It includes a huge, massive network. It includes a lot of people who work together on the same purpose. And I'm so happy that you have been through your own independent observation to verify this phenomenon. And it's very important to share it with our audience because, you see, you focus on mandate masks and the mandate shutdown of the school. And just in this topic, you already discover this kind of shut up unified policy in uh, from CDC and in this medical professional field, right? So people need to know this because it's very easy to be ignored by laymen. However, you see, Now, I mean, you have asked me what happened in China recently on the kids, the children that unknown mysterious phenomenon uh, outbreaks. And uh, as we know today, we have seen, I'm not sure whether you have time to check the news yet, but let me see, we have seen Massachusetts second, is the second U.S. state that reports mysterious phenomenon with white lung following case search in China and Europe. And also Ohio is the first state to report it. And the New York City parents concerned over this kind of uh, COVID-like respiratory uh, search in China. And we say it happened in Europe. I think uh, it's in Belgium and uh, Netherlands, right? Or Germany or Netherlands. Anyway, two countries which have, it seems they have more kind of communication with China these days. And we know China and the U.S. have increased the fights since early November. So you have talked to me, uh, expressed your concerns on this mysterious uh, illness. So when you see this news come out as a mom of four and also as a medical doctor, could you tell me what's your idea, your feeling on this news today?
1: Well, I mean, I, I have a couple feelings, which is that I, I feel very strongly now, like I cannot trust what's coming out of the media. Um, and that gets back to what we were talking about, um, that, it, you know, I, I feel like even with this really lab situation, the mainstream media was calling it a conspiracy theory. And, and I also feel like, especially after having talked to you, that, I have trouble um, trusting you know what the the messages that we're getting um, out of China. And then also through the WHO, because as you have described, to me, the WHO is getting their information really from uh, the CCP because China is controlled by the CCP and the CCP controls the narrative. And so what I do and what uh, when I when there's a, an outbreak, is I, um, I don't trust the mainstream media. It was the same with COVID. um, And I go to the, the individual uh, countries in Europe, I go to their own um, epidemiological, you know, analyses and reports, you know, in their different languages. And I try to sort out what might be going on. Um, and it's, it's honestly, it's not because I'm afraid of my children's health. I, I do feel like my children are quite healthy, and I'm lucky about that. Uh, uh, but I I, I I I want to know, I, I really, you know, have a desire to know the truth. And that's also why I asked you. And so I think we should, we need information about is this really deviating from, um, you know, what we would normally see at this time of year, it looked like in the Netherlands, it was it looked like it might be RSV. Uh, just looking at what the uptick in the in in in, in pathogens was when I looked at the website um, out of the Netherlands yesterday but um it gets to a broader point that we we need um trustworthy media and public health officials um to know what's going on and and also um you know I, I I'm I worry Now, even more about what might be coming out of unknown bio labs and out of China. And so it's like there's all these, you know, on on the one hand, I'm worried about a new disease that is going to be unleashed by by the CCP, either within China or, you know, an, an unknown bio lab like we saw in Reedley, California. And at the same time, I also feel like who can we trust to give us the honest information? And that's part of the reason I'm so glad I've connected with you, because I really feel like we could, you know, inspire um, like scientists to sort of create a, a network of communication with trustworthy accurate information, you know, with people who aren't being told what to say by the government and people who are willing to admit, oh, maybe I was wrong, you know, things like that, that normal scientists do. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your concerns and your opinions,
0: Dr. Casey. And let's have a short break and we will continue and uh, go back, continue this topic and other topic about the infectious disease, about the COVID pandemic, about the things you also want to know.
2: Spike proteins help viruses enter into your cells, disrupting
0: your health and your well-being. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body of spike proteins, which allows your body to repair from within, supporting your immune and respiratory systems and regulating your inflammatory response formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global Healing giving you the power to take control of your health naturally
2: world-class care from doctors you can trust all from the comfort of your home that is one wellness dr peter mccullough and his team at the wellness company launched the one wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever,
1: Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, Code Out Loud. America out loud. News is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time.
2: America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity.
0: Welcome back to the voice of Dr. Ye. In this episode, Dr. Tracy Hu and I will discuss some issues related to uh, COVID-19 origin, the illegal Chinese Communist Party-controlled biolab in Ridley, California, as well as a lot of stories revealed by Dr. Tracy in pandemic with the CDC of the United States, because she has conducted a lot of experience with her team uh, on the mandate policies, include the mandate mask policies and also the uh, school shutdown policies, and her data clearly uh, not support CDC's public health policies during pandemic, during the lockdowns, and she also share us opinions on her concerns about the mysterious pneumonia which hit children in China and now comes to the United States. So, Dr. Tracy, do you think it's normal that the so many, I mean, just let's not talk about any knowledge about China. As a bio lab, as a CDC for certain country, do you think China government, when they claim that we didn't see anything abnormal on the, this outbreak recently uh, about the respiratory disease on children, and we didn't see any uncommon pathogens, and we don't think you should concern about that. And now today, I mean, they announced that US and European country, when you suffer this surge, you should learn from China, because they said China has controlled that. Do you believe that? What's your feeling on on this kind of words?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I guess I I I I'm very um on I I have difficulty trusting you know what what we're being told, and I keep thinking about what happened at the beginning of SARS-CoV-2, and um and how basically you know it. I I would just actually love if you could tell your. So I know your listeners have probably heard it before but just to tell your story about sort of what happened with SARS-CoV-2 and, 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 and how you were asked to research what it might be. Your own, in December of 2019, your own research findings suggested very strongly based on many lines of evidence um, that it was uh, made intentionally and then you were told, no, that's not the right answer. You need to find evidence of the raccoon dog as as a host. And so do you think that that's playing out again now? Is it possible? I mean, is that what's going through your head? And how are we how are we to know?
0: Yes, your, your question is very good. And um, actually I'm quite worried about the situation now. And one thing for sure is what we have seen back to end of 2019, early 2020 in China it's repeated now. And uh, again, China government stated that insisted there's nothing wrong and they claim uh, they can control everything and they hold the information, the medical information tightly. And also we have seen that uh, WHO and a lot of Scientists, expert on public health, on uh, virology, uh, respiratory disease, they are orchestrated to like share the word. As you have told me that you think something in a lot of situations since the COVID nineteen that they try to promote. They seem to try to promote certain narrative. And now what we see is, first, as China CDC, they have claimed. Even recently, especially after COVID, they said they can test any unknown disease like within uh, 24 hours to four days. But now we see after over one month, actually even back to September, there was something come out about the unknown respiratory disease among children and also infect their families, the adults, the elderly we still didn't see China government present the exact medical information like percentage of the patients on what kind of disease, the sequence, even it's a common passages, it could have variant. So we heard that recently a new variant of COVID-19 come out. So whether it comes from China, the Chinese lab, we still don't know because China government just tell you Listen to us. No data, and uh, don't ask anything else. Right? And this right. is really, really like how back to end of 2019 when my boss, the WHO expert Liu Peng, at the University of Hong Kong, asked me to investigate because at that time, although WHO heard something called novel Wuhan virus and mysterious stuff like China refused present the data and information. And they they really worry about what happened in Wuhan at that time. So they want me to use my uh, individual network, private network to do the research. And later, although they know China's covering up something very important about Wuhan outbreak, WHO choose to stay with China and cheat the whole world. So now we need to feel that Still, they are the same people now in WHO, right? Dr. Tedros, the expert team. And uh, they still insist on nature origin and uh, promote vaccines even for the future outbreak, unknown outbreaks. We have seen Dr. Tedros talking about we believe there will be disease X come out in the soon future. And then we have seen they promote their uh, preparedness, like, vaccine uh, policies, especially, I mean, amazingly, since COVID-19, we have seen vaccines can come out over a few weeks. Really not like what we have done before, just just before COVID-19 as a vaccine researchers, I can tell you even 10 years is not in- enough for vaccine development. But suddenly, overnight, they all said they can make the very effective vaccines. And uh, if we dare to say, no, that sounds not safe. If you present your data or experience on on safe vaccine studies and to question the ongoing mandate vaccine policies, they will call you anti-science, anti-vax conspiracist. Right? So altogether, I mean, how could China refuse to offer the data on the unknown respiratory disease and pneumonia, which lasted for over one month in China, and still other government (laughs) accepting? That
1: is a big issue. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to ask you is, you know, how exactly this happened that countries like the United States and Europe and the W h o have become so trusting of what um China is saying and 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 recommending, and you've talked to me before about how the the people scientists working in the w h o, you describe them as puppets of the CCP. um and i i I think people really need to know why you say that and what you mean, given there's a lot of talk now about the WHO's pandemic preparedness treaty and the one health program. And I I think many people, you know, on the surface don't see, maybe don't see the problems with really China being the ones and the CCP pulling the strings here. And when I say CCP, I need to clarify that, you know, this is like not the Chinese people, like I'm not trying to be racist. And I feel like Uh we always need to clarify this, but there are all these scientists and doctors within China who may know the truth, they may have the data, they may know what these diseases are, but they can't speak out, right? And so that is the crucial problem is that, you know, the scientists have the data, they're asking the questions, they wanna do the right things. And they can't um, because of the what the government is telling them only certain findings are acceptable. And then we have China, you know, wanting to really control the WHO, and people are not realizing why this is so problematic, because we need individual cities, towns, scientists, countries to be free to speak out about what they about what they find. And we cannot be in a situation where the scientific narrative is being controlled from on high, not, you know, not from the China, not from the CCP, really not not from any government, right? Yes, that, that's why I
0: think the conversation between you and me in this episode, and I, of course, want to conduct more in the future, is very important because For laymen who don't have this kind of experience in the medical and research field, it may be difficult or take a long time for them to realize the problems inside, which have been exposed since COVID-19 pandemic. But you and me, we work in this side. I get into the COVID-19 field earlier than you, but you also have done a lot of great job working with your teams. So we have seen this all through our own research work, right? And yeah. you have given a lot of very great questions. That's also what I wonder from the beginning of my investigation on COVID-19 origin, why it happened. But the most, I mean, the more I study uh, during my investigation, I realized all of this like the net, very massive net, layers of layers net. This net was made not only over one night. So back to the end, uh, the root, it is Chinese Communist Party. And uh, I need to let people, uh, I mean, I need to let people understand something that when we talk about the COVID-19 virus, when I said come from the military lab in China, Yes, there is U.S. people's uh, tax-funded aid. And yes, there are a lot of corrupted American, European scientists who donate their knowledge, collaborate, and later cover it up with China. However, it doesn't mean this bomb weapon, I call it unrestricted bomb weapon, COVID-19, or other things now in CCP's weapon asana are created by United States with China or United States dominated and used China. Those are very different topics. If, I mean, if you look back to the history, you will see Soviet Union has done the same thing. The I mean, Chinese Communist Party is offspring, the son of Soviet Union. They learn all of that. They infiltrate the United States. And uh, back to Soviet Union at that time, because Americans realize they are enemies earlier than they realize CCP is your enemy. That's why you have more uh, vigilance against uh, those Russian Soviet Union activities or agents or influencers. But you don't have this idea on Chinese and you don't know CCP take advantage of your trust to infiltrate, to uh, manipulate this kind of institute, organize uh, even federal agencies and build their network. So back to the bioweapon project, CCP won't allow this foreign Especially U.S. citizens, you uh, American uh, scientists who have no Chinese blood, China, CCP doesn't trust them. Why? Because CCP also believe as long as you have some Chinese blood, you are our people, and we can find a way to manipulate with. So when they treat people with Chinese blood, even you are the mixed or you are born in China, US going Australia for three generations differently. So let me be briefly, the people like Fauci, Peter Dasha, Ralph Barry, they are used by CCP uh as a useful idiot. They capture them as a idiot and then use them as idiot and they can be abandoned. Also, I mean WHO. When we see a lot of experts inside, I don't mean all. I, I believe definitely there are good experts in WHO, but especially in emergency infectious disease, virology field, and let's be very specific on COVID-19 field, those people, they are influenced, and many of them are corrupted by Chinese Communist Party. They use carrot and stick, uh, strategy to control these people, including Dr. Ted and including other people like Netherlands, there is a, uh, Maria Koopman, Dr. Maria Koopman, right? She had worked very closely with my boss, Malik Paris, and uh, in the University of Hong Kong. And also, she is a joint professor in Guangzhou, working in the military civil lab on respiratory disease. So you couldn't Expect this expert be unbiased and also be very, uh, justified and very, uh, honest to tell you the truth because how could they get such position and the reputation? Chinese Communist Party behind helped them. There are so many ways to promote the scientists in this field using very legal ways right they give them ground they give them position give them awards give them publications and these people are the professional team in the professional teams provide opinion and make policies for governments you cannot expect as a President Trump or President Biden to make this kind of health policy by themselves, you always need to go back to ask this expert's opinion. And that's why I said without a regime's power like CCP or previous Soviet Union can do it, none of individual and uh, private organizations, even their billionaires,
1: can make it happen. Right, yes, I mean, I agree with you. um, and I think you you're right that there are so many layers of, and it's so complicated of how this is all unfolded. But I think, you know, people need to understand at the center of this, is the fact that our American money has paid for research, which has been used to develop at least one virus that was intended to hurt us um and so i think people need to understand and 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 scientists you know i agree with you that they're probably there i i think most um american and european scientists and also scientists within china are not well you're not intending to hurt people but that there is this undeniable fact that these bioweapons are being created by the ccp whether or not we like it, we need to acknowledge it and not be naive. Um, And so that's, that's one thing. And we need to also acknowledge that the same people, the same group that is creating these dangerous bioweapons to hurt us, you know, that they, that there is this belief and propaganda in China, that the Chinese people are a superior race. And as you described to me in my interview with you, that they want to take over the United States. So like, we can't really be as naive as we've been being and just say, oh, if you say it was created in a lab as a, you know, uh, unrestricted bio-warfare, you know, that we're being racist. Like, we really have to just stop being naive and say it's, it is, Always a possibility that people are trying to hurt us and they're manipulating us to use our own money and our own knowledge and our own scientists to do that. And so, but it is complex, right? Because none of us want to believe. That there, are, that there are people that would want to hurt other people. And yet when there's a threat like this, we need to acknowledge it and we need to talk about you and I, like how is this happening? It's happening through the media. Um, it's happening through our academic institutions. It's happening through our, our medical journals. Even if it's not intentional, um, we're getting these messages that are are not truthful that are propagandized so that we continue to sort of you know support this biological warfare that is a threat to us um do i have that yeah. somewhat right Exactly. <laughs> okay,
0: so i actually uh in the last episode last week i have shared uh, discuss with my yen report co-author doctor who i mean he's also doctor who <laughs> uh, about the the recent article published on Vanity Fair, I mean, it has been the uh, journalist for six months and interviewed over 60 uh, insider or expert who hold different ideas on COVID-19 origin. And it actually shows that those health, public health experts like Dr. Fauci, dashak or uh, Peter Hawes, or Robert Gallo, They totally ignore the national security in the biosecurity field. I mean, they always, like, including uh, Dr. Francis Collins, the former NIH director, when they talk about science, they talk about, oh, we want to make it transparent and we want to give the money, the fundings uh, from U.S. taxpayers to the friendly lab, and how could we question them? And Robert Gallo, the the so, um in the University of Maryland, his HIV titan, Fauci's good friend, he said, oh, I feel it would insult those researchers in Wuhan, in China, if you go to ask their uh, data or information using our taxpayers' money. This is totally ridiculous. And I don't want to say all of them are uh, only stupid. I don't think stupid people can be so high level in the public health, especially global public health system. And so I think we must keep working like we have done before. Now we have the new issues mm-hmm. like reading lab uh, about what about, I've done this, uh, like several episodes talking about it. We know clearly for sure CDC ignore the dangerous passage even it was labeled as Ebola and why it happened. Any corruption, and the infiltration, or just lazy, laziness, uh, irresponsibility, we don't know. But we must do something to protect us. If we cannot trust some of them, then we should use our work to compensate this weakness. The voice of Doug Dean every Saturday and Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on iHeartRadio or America Out Radio Network and later you can listen to it for free from various apps like Pandora, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Thank you.